on with them this morning. wanted to make sure that he would speak in a way that I would understand it, and he was, said he'd just do a children's service, so um, <laughs> you owe that to me. Um, growing up, he did uh, children's service every Sunday, right before the main service, so um, he's got some experience at it. He's pretty good at it, so here he is, Derwin Burtz. Yeah, if you would, thanks. In a moment, we're going to ask uh, some people to return up here and help. And uh, my hope and prayer is you'll all help today because, you know, I've been retired for three years and I'm kind of rusty. And uh, when I was eight years old, I was interested in becoming a ventriloquist. And I asked for a figure that I could use for Christmas, and I got one. And that began a long journey of almost 60 years. Ventriloquism is an interesting art. Uh, there was a time, maybe 20 years ago, where most of we ventriloquists believed that it was a dying art, that it wouldn't continue much longer. But thankfully, we were wrong. There came along some folks who have become stars that are ventriloquists. The most recent, a 12-year-old girl by the name of Darcy Lynn Farmer, I think, just my opinion, is probably the best ventriloquist on the planet right now. And there are some other really good ones as well. The puppets help, and having a unique puppet helps. The one I got first was out of Sears and Roebuck catalog, and uh, there were Literally thousands of those puppets still are. But when uh, I took my first church in northern Minnesota, I became acquainted with a fellow pastor who was at the time pastoring a church and working also in a nursing home. And I had envisioned, I had when I was a child, or young young man, met a really neat ventriloquist who had an old man puppet, which was kind of unusual, but I wanted one, and now I look more like him than he does. <laughs> that was in 1981 that uh, my good friend Bob Plate 
carved him lovingly. I named him Sourdough Sam, and he is still a very close friend of mine. Only ventriloquists understand that. Seven years ago, I visited Bob. He was then retired in uh, northern Minnesota, close to where my wife lived when she was growing up. And I had two things in mind that I wanted Bob to help me with. One was I was planning a trip to Africa, and I wanted a puppet I could take along. And so I was building one. And I wanted him to help me carve the, the boots, because uh, he was mostly made out of foam to be real light. And Bob did that, and I also had the beginnings of a donkey puppet. And Bob looked straight me in the face and said, I don't like that puppet. I said, okay, well, you know. The next day he called me and said, can you come over for supper on Friday night? I got something to show you. <coughs> he had gotten on the computer. He is a computer genius. He had found the donkey, a three-day image of a donkey, and he put it into a program that cut out little tiny pieces of paper, and he glued all those little tiny pieces of paper together and made this. It did not take one day or two days. It took several months for Bob to work on, who now is Roscoe. Jason and I and a friend came back from South Dakota, and Bob drove all the way down from northern Minnesota to southern Minnesota to bring Roscoe to me. And Roscoe and I and Cody, our beloved friend of Labrador, rode together in the back of a Prius from the middle of Minnesota to here. And it was along the way that I looked over at his head and I said, you're Roscoe, and he has been ever since. So ventriloquism is cool. This morning I'd like to use him to illustrate a sermon. I'm going to ask the kids to come up in just a little bit. And, uh, and help us and listen to the story. A very familiar story. Jesus was the greatest storyteller who ever lived. And this is one of my favorite stories that he told. If you were to Google the story of the Good Samaritan, you would find almost a half a million sermons preached about the story of the Good Samaritan. Over 40 years ago, my friend who is now a magician, currently on tour somewhere across the United States, who was my folks' pastor for several years, we went to college together, we did a series of services in a little church, which was the church that I first preached my first sermon in, and the church where I felt that this was what God wanted me to do with my life, as I spoke with those folks in a little rural church called White Oak Church in northern Minnesota. My friend and I went and put on a series of services, he, he doing magic, me doing this kind of stuff, and... Uh, Later, 
one of our friends became full-time pastor of that church. We, we would go down from college and preach there on weekends, but later one of the fellows that did that felt called to go there full-time. He was there for six years. And during that six years, I was asked again, can you believe they asked me to come back? And uh, I went back and I preached this sermon that I'm going to share with you this morning. And after the sermon, somebody came up to me and said something I have never heard, I had never heard before and have never heard since. He looked at me square in the eye and said, that was the greatest sermon that I have ever heard. Never heard it before, never heard it again. But what made me think that he really believed that in his heart was we went to South Dakota for a year to begin our ministry in, a, in a, my hometown. Was there for a year, and then we felt called to this little church in northern Minnesota. Shortly after we got there, we found out that Jason was on the way. And when Jason came, we were happy to have him come, but we didn't know how we were going to pay for it. To be just honest with you. Well, some money came in. The bill was $800. Some money from some close people to us came in, $300. We kind of went, Phew. wonder where the other 500 is going to come from. And then this check came for $500 that was supposed to be anonymous, but our treasurer kind of goofed up and let us know who it was. $500 40 years ago was a lot of money. And it came from the man who said, that's the best sermon I ever heard. So kids, we're going to, and I tested your people this morning on purpose to see how gracious they are. And they're all really gracious because I sprung on them two songs that they weren't planning on playing, that they had never heard before. Well, one of them for sure. They're going to come up, musicians, are you still game or are you? And we're going to sing with Roscoe's help. Finally, you shut up. <laughs> are you going to help or are you going to just be what you are? I'll be all right. Okay. Kids, come on up. Roscoe is pretty, pretty safe, even though he sounds a little ornery. Can I sing? I don't know. Can you sing? Oh, yeah, I like to sing. <laughs> yeah, I figured you did. Come on over in front of Roscoe here. Yeah. Come on over. Don't be shy. Hi, how are you? Ever talked to a donkey before? <laughs> Probably not. Yeah. Jesus loves the little children. 
is not the words. Oh, okay, try again. One more time, all right. Jesus loves the little children, all the children of the world. Red and yellow, pink and blue, stinky people just like you. Hey! Roscoe, see what happened? You just about lost it there. that foot up there. Help, help. Okay, we'll, we'll get you. Now we're all right. We're all right. We got you. Any, anybody know what the word precarious means? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay we're going to sing it right this time, okay? You think you know it now? Jesus loves the little children. Everybody, all the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Let's figure this out, shall we? Oh, 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 oh. Yep. There. Good for me, how about you? <laughs> You're in a bad spot there, you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay, there's one other song we'd like to try. And I think they have the words for this one someplace. This is one that I just really like. And uh, Steve found out the real name for it. I could not find it, but Steve found it. It's called God Likes People. But I've always sung it, God, what would be a better word? At least for me, a better word than like is what? Love. Yeah, God loves people. All right, here we go. God, hit it. God loves any shape, any color, any size. You don't have to be an angel to be very special in his eyes. Said it in John 3.16 and proved it on Calvary too. God loves people, ordinary people, people like me and Try it again, will you? God loves people, any shape, any color, any size. You don't have to be an angel to be very special in his eyes. He said it in John 3.16, rooted on Calvary too. God loves people, ordinary people, people like me and you. I said, God loves people, ordinary people, people like me and you. Good job. 
So we're going to talk about that story that Jesus told a long time ago. A story? Yeah, a story. Is it a true story? Well, no, it is a made-up story. Oh, okay. It's okay to make up stories? Yeah, it's okay to make up stories if you don't tell them like they're supposed to be true. Do you understand that? Yeah. And when Jesus told these stories, we called them a parable. Can you say that with me? Parable. Okay. And we're supposed to learn something from a story that Jesus told us. And so we're going to talk about the story that we call the Good Samaritan. Uh, where, Where did that happen? Well, it happened on a road. It wasn't just any road. Have you ever been on a dangerous road? One that kind of scared you just to go down? One of those, yeah. It was the road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And I noticed when we were looking at the slides earlier that there was a picture that looked a lot like that road because I had the chance to see that road a few years ago. Uh, Do you have that picture by chance? Steve's looking. Suppose hid behind those rocks. Lions and tigers and bears. No, no, no. There might have been some wild animals there, but even something more scary than wild animals, who do you think might have hid in those rocks? Anybody have any idea? Yeah. The bird guy. Yeah, yeah, the bad guys. And these guys were called robbers. What's a robber? Anybody know what a robber is? Huh? Right there. They steal money from people? Yeah, do they steal other things too? What other kind of things? Oh, lions and tigers. No. Your favorite things? Have you ever lost your favorite thing? Oh, it's a bad thing. Makes you feel really bad, yeah. So there were robbers that were in that that area. In fact, some people back in those days called it the road of blood because they would beat people up. Sometimes they would even kill people along that road and take what they had. Well, it's not a good place to go, no. And that's what this story is about, that Jesus said that there was this Jewish guy who was going down this road, and the robbers, guess what happened? What do you think happened? No, they didn't kill him, but they almost did. They beat him up? Yes, they did. They beat him up really bad. He was just laying there in the ditch. Yes, he was. He was just laying there. Will anybody come by? Uh, uh, Are there any donkeys in this story? (laughs) As a matter of fact, there are. Well, good, good. uh, I'd like to hear about that. Okay, we'll tell you about the donkeys. Uh, and, And there was somebody who came by, and it was a priest. Now, a priest back then was sort of like a pastor today, you know? Somebody that would tell people about who? Hmm? 
about Jesus, about God, right? Yeah, so I'm sure that he was real helpful and he came right over and he helped that guy right away. No, 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 he didn't. You're kidding. No, I'm not. You know what the Bible tells us? That he went by on the other side. He just walked right around. Why? Well, we'll talk about that in a while. Okay, I'll listen. All right. right. So then a Levite came along. Is that a religious guy too? Yeah, another guy that was affiliated with what we would call the church today. And he went right down there and picked him up. And was was he on a donkey? No, I don't know. It doesn't say. It it does not say whether he was on a donkey or not. Huh. So he he didn't he didn't help either. No, he did not help either. Walk boy on the other side. Yes, he did. He walked right by on the other side. Is that was that the way that somebody should have been? Do you think? No. Well, man, anybody else come along? As a matter of fact, yes, there was. Who? Well, it's a guy that came along that did not, uh, the Jewish people. You mean like the guy laying in a ditch? He was a Jewish guy, right? Yeah, he was. And he was a guy from Samaria. They didn't like him. No, they didn't. Those two groups of people did not get along. Huh. So I suppose when he saw that Jewish guy laying there in the ditch, he thought, good for you, see you later. No, he didn't. No. Was he on a donkey? As a matter of fact, he was. It does say that, that he had a donkey. Wow. Did, did he help the guy? Yes, he did. Was the donkey involved? Yes, he was. Well, then he was a, he must have been a donkey lance. What, what's a donkey lance? Well, uh, I heard that when they first started using them, they had bulls that pulled carts, and they called them bull lance and bull lance. Now, wait a minute. You made that up. You said it was okay to make them up. That's different. You're telling it like it was true. Oh, so he had a donkey lance. He, yeah, he had a, he had a donkey lance. He, he took that Jewish guy and put him on his donkey. Wasn't he afraid that the, that the guys would come and beat him up? Yeah, that was a thought. That was a thought. He took him, and where did he take him? He took him to a safe place. Well, that's good. Yeah. And he left enough money to take care of them. Now, that's quite a story. That is quite a story. Huh. Well, we're going to let you go back to your folks in a minute. But before we do, let's have a word of prayer. Will you pray with me? Bow together. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to be in your house. For your word, and we pray that as we share it together this day, that your Holy Spirit might use this time, and we'll give you the praise, for it's in your precious name we pray. Amen. You want to pull them back over there? 
Speak for me. Well, as secure as it's going to be. <laughs> all right, you guys can go back to your folks, but keep listening, all right? And I keep telling her I'm going to write that song one of these days, and I, Lord willing, I will. All right, I'm going to tell you right up front, I did not write this outline. I have no clue who wrote this outline. I know it's been around for 50 years, because that's probably almost as long as it's been since I first heard it. When I heard it, the title of the message was, Views of This World's Goods. I used that title a time or two, but today I just call it, How Do You Look at Things? How do you look at things? Now you say he doesn't have any notes up there. That means he's not going to talk very long. Well, we're more dangerous when we don't have notes than when we do. Let's look at the scripture. I'm going to read down through it for you. On an occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, this expert in the law, we would call that guy today a what? A lawyer. My favorite lawyer joke, told to me by a lawyer in Mexico many years ago. He said, what do you call a busload of lawyers going over a cliff with one empty seat? Wasted space. (laughs) Now that's not very nice. And I have met... I come to think of it, I have. Now, I have met quite a few really good people that are lawyers. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, lawyers like to ask trick questions. And this is one of those trick questions. But he underestimated the person he was asking. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? So Jesus throws it back in his court. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and 
Who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. And they stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down that same road. And when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him pass by, on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own, what? donkey, told you it was there, brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to his man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, he didn't say the Samaritan. That would have been just almost too tough. The one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So I need you to help me write this sermon. From time to time, I'm going to ask you a question or two. Is that okay? You cool with that? All right. Really a simple outline. How the different characters in the story of the Good Samaritan looked at things. And by the, that, that word things is, is in my mind very inclusive. It includes a whole lot more than just the material possessions that we have. Okay? There is the view of the robbers. There is the view of of the priest and the Levite, and there is the view of the Samaritan. Two views that are not so becoming, and one that is. The view that the robbers had what is yours is mine. And I'm going to take it. Pretty simple view, isn't it? What's yours is mine, 
and I'm going to take it. And when we think of that view, we think of people that have allowed Satan to take hold of their life just completely. They are evil personified, and they are out to take everything that they can take from anybody that they can take it from, and they have no qualm in doing that at all. For some, it doesn't matter if they have to kill somebody, if they have to badly injure them, no matter what, they are that evil, they are going to take what's there because they believe in their heart somehow that they deserve it. And it's hard for we Christians to comprehend how some people can get to that point in life, but we know they're out there, don't we? We know they are there. We are appalled when we see that happen. We are appalled when somebody walks into a bank and robs the bank at gunpoint and shoots a couple people on their way out. We are appalled. But let me ask you a question. Are those evil, wicked people the only ones that struggle with the attitude that the robbers had? What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. Are there times when we struggle with that? What do you think? Coveting. Darcy Lynn, that little squirt, 12 years old, more talent boxed in that little body, only taken two or three years to get to that point. It would be easy for me to say, that's not fair. I'd like to have what she has, right? You're exactly right. Coveting. Somebody else. That attitude. What's yours is mine. I'm going to take it. Nobody? I deserve it? Is that what you said? I deserve it. Yeah. I was hauling a little Amish girl with me one day on a task, and she looked over at me and said, today would be a good day for ice cream. That was her way of saying what Pastor said. I, I deserve that today, you know. It's a, it's, it's a kind of a day for ice cream. I ought to have some, you know. Now, I'm not saying that that was an evil intention on her part, but we do get that sense of entitlement sometimes, don't we? That I, I, really, I really do deserve that. Well, as one of my favorite preachers, Howard Hendricks, used to say often, that's too convicting, let's move along. 
The people we love to hate the most, even almost more than the robbers in this story, are the next group of people. The ones that ought to know better, right? I mean, they are the religious leaders of the day, the priests and the Levites. How in the world can they justify what they did? When just last week they preached a sermon on helping their neighbor or whatever, you know? How can they go by on the other side? What's going through their head? I'll tell you what's going through their head. And it's a second view. First view was what? What's yours is mine, and I'm going to take it. All right. Second view is similar to that. It is what's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. Now, kids, I'm going to pick on you. How many of you sometimes have been playing with a brother or a sister or a cousin or a friend, and all of a sudden you looked over and they were playing with your favorite toy? What did you say? That's mine. You know? That's mine. What are you doing with my toy? What's mine is mine, and I'm going to keep it. How do I get that view from the priest and Levites? Well, I'll tell you, they were walking along a dangerous road. And it was just plain dangerous enough to be walking on that road, let alone going off of that road and trying to help somebody that the robbers just beat to pieces, you know. They wanted to keep what safety they had, didn't they? How many times, folks, have you drove by a situation and you said, I really ought to stop and help? But you didn't. Because you were afraid something might happen. I drove by a car the other day. I would have liked to have stopped and helped. Kind of reminds me of going back to this this message. I saw this car pulled off the side of the interstate. It was not just any car. It was a 1956 red and white Ford hardtop convertible. He had pulled over to put the top down, and it was in the process. And if you have not seen that, I remember the first time I saw that, it was over 50 years ago. It was one of the coolest things that I had ever seen 50 years ago. And you know what? When I saw it the other day, it's still one of the coolest things I've ever seen. That top comes up. The trunk comes up, that top slides down into the trunk, the trunk comes back down, it's all done automatic, it is just incredible. Now where they put the luggage, I have no clue. 
but you don't care, right? This message, as I'm bringing it to you today, is still as pertinent as it was 40 years ago because this is where we are at right now. Now, how many of you honestly say you have struggled with that? Where do we struggle in this area? What's mine is mine, and I want to keep it. Selfishness can sum up a lot of the world's problem with that one word, can't you? Selfish. I, I just, you know, this is my thing. This is my space. This is my time. I worked hard for this money. We could go on and on, couldn't we? That view involves a whole lot more than the possessions that we, we have. It involves our time. It involves our interest. It involves our love. So many things. And if we've been hurt in situations, sometimes we do not want to be hurt again, right? And so we distance ourselves. It's mine is mine. I'm going to keep it. Now it brings me to the final point, which is the one that, if I'm listening to a sermon, is the one I'm waiting for. The final point is the point that the Samaritan had. Now you have to realize, when you're talking about cultures, I kind of soft-pedaled it a little with the kids, but for you adults here this morning, the Samaritan and the Jews hated one another. They pretended like, especially the, the Jews toward the Samaritans, pretended like they didn't even exist. I work among the Amish a lot. And I have found that there is that kind of uh, can't use the word hatred but I tell you between what some people call the the uh, old order and the new order that's the term that I was used to I work a lot with what I would refer to as the old order they refer to the other more progressive group as the higher Amish. And I won't even tell you what I've heard some of the higher Amish call the old order. It is not nice. So uh, that's the kind of thing that was going on between the Jews. You know, with the Amish, there are two people, Amish and who? English, right. Um, we say, well, that's kind of weird. But we Christians say there are believers and what? Non-believers. So I guess uh, we sort of fall into the same kind of thing. That Samaritan had a t- 
totally different view. Even though of anybody in this story, he had the quote-unquote right to feel negative toward this Jewish person because of all the oppression that had come their way from the Jewish people. He didn't have that view. He had this view. What's mine is God's. And I'm going to share it. Right? He gave up his safety. Think about that. He gave up his time. He gave up of his worldly possessions to help this person who hated him. Wow. Over the last three years, this is the first time I've really sat in front of people and spoke like I'm doing with you folks this morning. And I thought a lot about what I might say. There are a lot of spiritual issues that are laying deeply on my heart, have been for a while now. But a week ago tonight, I was driving up to pick up my friend Elam, who has just spent the weekend at a big horse sale in Virginia. And I heard that the first horse, riding horse they sold at that sale sold for $33,000. I was going up to pick up Elam, and it hit me about halfway up that I needed to talk to you about what I'm talking to you about this morning. Because I have looked back over my life, and I have honestly said, was it worth it to spend my life doing what I did. A few weeks ago, I was just blown away. I walked into this lumber mill, sawmill. I was going to use the owner of the mill's pickup to take some other Amish folks down to Virginia. And when I walked in, that bugger's former Amish lied to me right off, and I didn't realize it for a couple days. He was just playing with me. I said, I don't remember your name. It's Levi. Levi Strauss. Well, he's not Levi Strauss, but I'll never forget his first name. (laughs) But Levi looked at me and said, you were a preacher, right? And I said, yeah. He said, tell me two things. Tell me what you liked the most about it and what you didn't like. Now, I think I started with the things I didn't like. (laughs) They came real quick. But when he asked me what I liked, I said, without really giving it a lot of thought. I said, "I, I liked helping people. I liked helping people. And when I think that, you know, I, 
I don't have a great bunch of money. I don't have a lot of things that I own. But I do have an ability. Now, I asked him if I could tell you this story. And he said, sure. And I just texted him as we were pulling into the parking lot. And I said, put on the full armor of God. And when I got in here, I got a text back that said, I will, with an exclamation point. Who am I talking about? You won't believe who I'm talking about. I have become pretty close friends with a very unlikely person. His name is Merlin. Merlin Miller. Merlin Miller was a star from Ohio on a show called The Amish Mafia. Maybe you've seen a few episodes. He plays a very mean and very confused individual on that show. Merlin and I were communicating back and forth one evening, talking on the phone. And Merlin said, you have a unique ability with people. I said, yeah, I guess over the years I would agree that of all the things that God has given me, he's given me a gift to be able to communicate with people one-on-one. He said, I know that. I said, it's really pretty easy for me. Kind of comes natural. It came natural the other night when I was picking up Elam's girlfriend to take her to be with him. And Sometimes with Amish folks, it's kind of hard to strike up a conversation. I tried real hard one night. I picked up two Amish, a couple from the Children's Hospital in Akron, taking them home. They'd been there with their baby for several days and had really a tough time. And tried to talk to the wife when she got in. She never said a word. And I felt bad because I usually have the ability to communicate with people. She never said one word to me the whole way home. She didn't say one word to her husband either, but... uh, (laughs) Now, that ability is finding some common ground. And God has blessed me with interest in a whole lot of stuff. So as Sarah and I were driving down the road, I said, how are your greenhouses doing? Because she started two greenhouses that she puts out seeds. And I subtly let her know that I knew just a little bit about raising stuff. For instance, she she mentioned that she raised uh, pepper plants. And I said, you ever raise any hot peppers? Yeah. Got some jalapenos going. I said, 
Well, if you ever raise the abanero, here's a word of caution for you. I heard from some lady that does it all the time, and I said, when you're planting those abanero seeds, and I said, I'm not kidding. Wear rubber gloves. Seeds will burn your fingers. So that's my gift that I can still use. And what God wants me to do is to, to use it. My dad used to say that everybody's got hidden talents. Some are so well hidden nobody's ever seen them. But we all have a gift from God, a very unique ability. And we can choose to do like the priest and the Levite did, and when the situation arises where we could take that gift and use it to great benefit, we go around. We should not do that. When I feel the best is when I'm doing something that's a little bit out of my comfort zone, yet I'm still using that ability that God's given me to do something for him. Because after all, Billy Graham used to say, and I found a picture of it on, on uh, Facebook the other day, that he'd never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Well, he passed away, and then they show this picture of a hearse pulling a U-Haul. So I, it has happened, I guess. But the, the fact of the matter is, what Billy was getting at was, you can't take it with you, you know, and so use it here. Use it here. What's mine is God's, and I'm going to share it. So when the kids were standing up here singing a song I thought about just a day or two ago when I was thinking about bringing this message, this little light of mine, such a simple little song, isn't it? I'm going to let it shine. Isn't that what it's about? Isn't that why we are here? might just be a, a little light, you know? But a little light in a dark place is a pretty awesome thing. Bow with me for prayer. Lord, we pause to thank you for your word this morning, for this powerful story. We pray that we might apply it to our lives. And we'll give you the praise, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Burtz. It's a good word. And, you know, I think we ought to close with just this. Do you think it'd be good for us to find a way this week to be purposeful, intentional, in finding a way to show some kind of little kindness to people around us, 
like the Good Samaritan, just a little thing. You know, we don't have to be so profound as to know all the answers to everything, but maybe just uh, a smile and a little helpful attitude, and who knows what it might lead to. Do you think that'd be a good way for us to close with that commitment to just share the love of Christ in some little way this week? Thank you. That's a good word. So why don't we stand and uh, we'll dismiss. Thank you for being here. I believe there's bread here. Take a loaf of bread, remembering the bread of life. And uh, we appreciate you being here. And especially thank you, Derwin Burtz. Good word, right? Let's give him a thanks. And to his friend as well, who seems to have gone to sleep. I'm not sure. Lord, thank you. It's a good day. Lord, it's a good word we've heard, and I pray as we leave this place that we'd be alert and intentional and just sharing the love of Christ in some way with someone this week. God, help us. And today, help us to be alert for that as we have lunch, as we uh, encounter people, uh, some of them hurting in ways we couldn't possibly know. Lord, help us to share the love of Jesus with them, and we ask it in his name. Amen.